0: Welcome to Integrated Brain Health. My name is Dr. Robert Coben. I'm a clinical neuropsychologist and am board certified in QEG technology and neuromodulation. This is our Neuroscience Rounds podcast. You will get a glimpse into our training programs where we talk about neuroscience, technology, neurofeedback, neuropsychology, and other related matters. We hope this helps with your knowledge base and ability to intervene and help patients successfully. On to the podcast.
1: Hello, welcome to NeuroRounds. This is round 26. My name is Dr. Christy Snyder calling. And today we will be talking about autism. So, a brief overview of um, some of its risk factors, some neuroanatomy, and then we'll go over three case studies uh, from here, integrate brain health. So, autism is a spectrum of disorders and is characterized by impairment in social interaction, communication, and restrictive, repetitive, and stereotype patterns of behavior, interests, and activities. So, there are some signs of autism um, inability to relate to other children or adults, um, poor speech or lack of speech. Inappropriate laughter or crying, oversensitive or undersensitive to sound, um, also textures and touch. Um, you play with toys inappropriately, often focusing on the details, so the wheel of a car. Um, you don't play with them appropriately and I do imaginative play. Some autistic children had difficulty learning and had signs of low intelligence. Um, others have high intelligence, can learn quickly. Um, especially in very specific interest. Um, They have trouble applying what they know in a social situation and adjusting to social situations. Um, So they might know a lot about World War II and could talk to you a lot about it, um, but it would be kind of inappropriate in a social context or something. So some autism characteristics of social communication interaction um, problems you might see. Um, They fail to respond to their name. This is like in children, uh, toddlers. Uh, so signs that you're looking for in, in your child. Fail to respond to their name. They resist cuddling and holding. but They prefer to be alone, uh, retreating into their own world. Poor eye contact and lack of facial expression. Um, doesn't speak or has delayed speech. Um, or they could have speech and then lose it. Uh, they can't start a conversation or keep one going. Uh, they speak with an abnormal tone or rhythm, and may have a sing song quality. Uh, we, we have a, a, one uh, patient here that has that sing song quality in particular. Um, they repeat words or phrases verbatim, so you say something and they'll repeat it back, but they don't know how to use it appropriately in a conversation. Um, they don't understand simple questions, they don't express emotions or feelings, they don't point at objects to bring attention to it as a group or in a social setting. Um, They'll be passive or they could be very aggressive and disruptive, very oppositional. And they'll also be, uh, have trouble recognizing nonverbal cues, and interpreting um, people's facial expressions, body positions, uh, tone of voice. So pick, pick it up on irony and sarcasm, they're not very good at. Uh, patterns of behavior that you'll see, uh, you have limited repetitive patterns of behavior, interest, activities. Um, So it could be performing repetitive movements, such as rocking, spinning, hand flapping. Um, Activities that could cause self-harm, such as biting or head banging. Uh, They'll have specific routines or rituals that become disturbed, so you can't change up anything. And they'll have problems coordinating um, with odd movements or clumsiness. They'll be fascinated, again, with very specific objects uh, or details of objects, like the wheels of a car. Uh, they'll be unusually sensitive to light or touch, sound. They might be indifferent to pain or temperature. Uh, they don't engage in man- imaginative tri- uh, play. They'll fixate on an object and have very specific food preferences, only eating a few foods not liking foods with specific kind of textures. So the rate or instance of autism has skyrocketed since the early 2000s. Um, And as of 2021, the rate was one in 34 boys in America, or one of uh, 144 girls. So boys are much more likely to have autism than girls. Um, It can be diagnosed as early as two years old, and usually by four years old it's diagnosed. They're unsure exactly what causes autism, but it's likely a combination of genetic factors. Um, 80% genetic, 20% environmental, and 1% maternal factors. Um, some of the genetic um, links they found is possible linked to chromosome 16, where you can have additions or deletions that cause different kind of phenotypes of autism. Um, but even if you have a genetic predisposition, you might not necessarily get it unless you also have this combination of environmental and everything else. Um, some of the maternal factors um, and perinatal factors is extreme preterm babies born before 26 weeks, advanced parental age, um, exposure to pesticides, toxins. And if you have one child with autism, your chance of having another child with autism is increased. So oftentimes children will show signs of autism within the first year of life. Um, you can see this in early infancy, uh, the reduced eye contact, and they don't respond to their name. So they just kind of avoid eye contact with you. Um, and other children, will appear to develop normally at first, and then they'll have a very stark regression between 18 and 24 months where they'll suddenly become withdrawn, lose language skills, and um, they've already acquired. And you usually see this by the second year. One of the most common findings about the neuroanatomy behind autism is an enlarged brain. So they, what, they find, what they're finding is an accelerated brain development in a years two to four. So you can see the autism case here, a larger brain than the average, uh, unaffected, typically developing child. So it'll grow exponentially faster from six to 12 months, and in year two, it increases much faster. Specifically the amygdala, it grows very fast up until five years old, and then there is a decline. So in children, there's an enlarged amygdala, but in adolescents and adults, the amygdala is smaller than the average. One interesting study I read um, related to this is that they think autism is related to too many synapses, so too many connections, so one uh, important way of learning is infants and babies have lots of synapses, and learning is about synaptic pruning, or getting rid of the connections that you don't need. What they're finding in autism is that that's not happening, and they have far too many synapses. And they think that that might be due to an excess of protein mTOR, and that disrupts the synaptic pruning process. So there's this medication called rapamycin um, that they're using in mice, and it uh, restores, uh, it inhibits mTOR, and it restores normal synaptic pruning. And it appears, at least in the mouse model, to alleviate uh, symptoms of autism. So this is an exciting drug possibility that they're just now getting into uh, clinical trials of, uh, but I think right now they're still kind of in the animal phase, so hopefully soon at some point we'll see that. So there's some possible uh, phenotypes. So autism is a a spectrum and it affects everyone differently, so there's no typical case of autism per se because it's such a um, kind of gestalt um, syndrome. But there are some phenotypes that that people see. So if you have a deficit in social language processing and social attention, you'll see abnormalities in the inferior frontal gyrus, Broca's area, superior, superior temporal sulcus, and Wernicke's area. And you see impairments in social behaviors, you'll have abnormalities in the frontal lobe, superior temporal ro- lobe, uh, parietal cortex, and the amygdala, again. Uh, if you have restrictive repetitive behaviors, you'll have abnormalities in the orbital frontal cortex and the caudate nucleus. Um, you've also seen this um, in OCD, generalized anxiety, and schizophrenia. So that caudate nucleus is important for a lot of different disorders that we had discussed previously and that we will discuss going forward. Um, if there are problems with, uh, in autism there's lots of problems with, uh, interpreting faces. So poor face-emotion processing. And what they've seen is that the fusiform face area, which is usually active when we're interpreting faces and emotions and faces, is active in a normal person, but in someone with autism, there's almost no activity, activity at all in this area. Um uh, so bilaterally, especially in the left side, they found, uh, poor verbal processing and communication they've linked that to more symmetrical brains. So we've talked before about how the different hemispheres are lateralized or specialized for different kinds of things. So the left side is important for language processing. The right side is important for spatial attention. Uh, What would they find in autistic individuals is that they have more symmetrical brains. Uh, Because of this, they tend to be uh, more left-handed than right-handed. But So they don't have as much language processing in the left hemisphere. And so that might be related to their poor language processing. You also see hypo or low activation in the uh, inferior middle frontal gyrus, left angular gyrus, and anterior cingulate cortex. And that's also related to their poor response monitoring. So when something happens, they they don't really know that it's wrong or know how to put it into context. Um, They also see dysfunction in sensory processing, obviously sensory motor, sensory, somatosensory areas, Motor control, so all of these like hand flapping is linked to problems in the motor cortex, supplementary motor area, and inhibitory control and cognitive flexibility, frontal areas, orbital frontal cortex. So those are the areas that you will uh, see not functioning properly. Autism has also been linked to a lot of connectivity differences. So what they'll find is that there's poor connectivity between hemispheres. So the corpus callosum will be thinner than normal what they also found is that there is long range underconnectivity and short range overconnectivity. So the places next to each other are really active and talking to each other, but they're really lacking the long range. So, because of this, there's difficulty in tasks that require integrating information from different parts of the brain. Uh, these are usually the areas that uh, are social or complex, they're more kind of conceptual and abstract. So you see something, how do you feel about it? What do you remember about it? Is this appropriate in this context? These are all very kind of complex um, processing that is very hard for them to do because they have uh, they lack long-range connectivity. But the short range is uh, exceptional. This is why autistic uh, individuals can be very good at very specific tasks because uh, they utilize discrete local brain regions. that are very good for details. Um, and so, You don't have a very nuanced view, but you're very good at that one specific thing. They can remember dates, you know, what day of the week was the 13th of August in 1896, and they will be spot on at that. Um, But again, the social context is where it's lacking. Um, They've also found some interesting patterns of sulci and gyri, so those are the mounds and valleys in your brain. And they found different kind of patterns of folding, for autistic individuals, so there's more, more folding in the left parietal and temporal lobes, and in the right frontal and temporal lobes, and reduced gyrification in children in the right inferior frontal and medial parietal occipital cortices, and in, in adults in left supramarginal gyrus. Also, important to bring up mu rhythms. Uh, so mu rhythms um, can be seen there a, in the alpha frequency between nine and fourteen hertz. They're usually observed over areas C3 and C4, and these is usually suppressed when you're executing an action, you're thinking about an action, or you're watching somebody else um, perform an action. And it's believed that these mu rhythms are uh, representing mirror neuron activity. This is important for understanding others' actions, theory of mind, what I think about what you think, and again, interpreting um, intent from others. Um, So what they think about in autism is that these mu rhythms are not uh, functioning properly. And there was an interesting study I read where they can experimentally inhibit mu rhythm suppression. So when your eyes are open, this mu rhythm should be suppressed. If not, then you won't be interpreting the movements. So what they did is they used TMS to um, inhibit the mu rhythm suppression. So it kept those mu rhythms very active on normal individuals. And those participants performed worse on an emotion recognition test. So they give them the the face task where you're like, is this person angry or sad? And they did worse after they experimentally inhibited this suppression. So that was um, reason to believe that this is also what's happening in autism. Okay, so now I'm going to move on to the case studies. Um, This first one is a 15 year old male. He was previously diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia, and so his parents brought him in for possible d- dyslexia. His symptoms were reading, spelling, comprehension, word recognition, attention span, basic life skills, um, motor task, lying. But also, a red flag that here, sensory sensitivity to textures was introverted, introverted and socially awkward. So that's your kind of red flag that maybe it's not just ADHD and dyslexia, maybe there's something autism going on. Now his mother took prescription drugs when she was pregnant. Um, There were some studies I read that link SSRIs to autism uh, because serotonin is really important for uh, social functioning. So if you take these when you're pregnant, it could disrupt the fetal development of serotonin pathways. Um, I don't know that that's what she took, but um, if she did, that might be a link. She experienced preeclampsia, high blood pressure, and had an emergency C-section the patient was jaundiced at birth, had an infection, and spent three days in the NICU. Uh, so there was some perinatal um, events for this individual. Developmental history, uh, toilet training was delayed, cl- completed by seven years. He also had problems with fine motor movements, sensory issues, and narrowed interest. He's fascinated with the cars and wheels. He would line his cars up and didn't want anybody to touch them once they were all situated. He knew a lot about cars and NASCAR drivers, so they're very narrowed interests. So these should be red flags that even if you think you're coming in for one thing, that might necessarily be the problem. He took a battery and neuropsychological test. Um, there is the low expectations and attention and concentration, graph motor speed, sustained attention, visual attention, executive functioning for mental switching and visual problem solving. He also had verbal reasoning for expressive language and language memory uh, was a problem, and the perceptual reasoning for facial recognition and social processing. So these are, again, related to autism that should uh, kind of alert you. His scores on achievement tests were uh, below average for reading, writing, and math. And there are also some differences for working memory, verbal, perceptual, intellectual reasoning, vision uh, integration, and visual route memorization. So our diagnosis was autism, and with specific learning delays in math, reading, and writing. So even though he comes in with one diagnosis of ADHD, which is oftentimes uh, overdiagnosed, when he came to us and did all the testing, we uh, diagnosed him with autism. So these are from independent component analysis we did. Again, these um, dots are the dipoles that are indicated that are contributing independently to his EEG. And so what we see here is a lot of visual processing back in the oc- occipital lobe. And you see a lot of this somatosensory, uh, somatomotor area, uh, sensory motor area indicated. So again, visual processing, sensory motor, some language processing, and the eyes closed. The eyes open, you have the cingulate, um, cerebellum indicated. Again, visual processing, um, some sensory motor and premotor areas. So this would correspond with his symptoms and his neuropsychological test. What we also found with this individual are mu rhythms. So these are the dark red are three standard deviations above uh, normal. He's comparing against the age-matched norms. So this is the eyes closed, this is the eyes open. So when your eyes are open, you should see this activity being reduced. This is not what's happening. So we have right over C3 and C4 here. You can see it in the eyes closed, and then it actually gets worse with the eyes open is pretty characteristic of a mu rhythm. So this was his uh, protocol. So obviously we want to inhibit those alpha uh, frequencies that were indicated. We wanna work with the mu rhythm, which is over these regions here in the sensory motor strip. And then we also indicated from the ICA analysis, a lot of visual processing errors. Um, So areas, so we wanna work on this whole area here. So, he did with one protocol, there was a lot of improvement for this individual. So, this is what I just showed you with the initial EEG. For his follow up EEG, just 12 sessions later, we see a reduction of the, the mu rhythm. Um, and the eyes closed and the eyes open, that was reduced. I mean, still there a little bit, but a lot of improvement. And as I mentioned before, for autistic individuals, they have problems with long range connectivity. That's indicated over here in the, in the diameter section. And what we found after just one protocol is that it was improved by 24%. So that's great. This is also indicated in um, his neuropsychological follow-up test. So um, picture span uh, was a working memory test, symbol search, processing speed, word class, fine directions, and assembly, test of language skills. They all improved. Um, initial is the blue, follow-up is the orange. Uh, So lots of beautiful improvement there. Also, uh, um, measures of social communication and interactions were also improved from the first to the second um, EEG. So that was just in one uh, protocol. So that was a really great case uh, that showed improvement. This is a different case. Um, So six-year-old male. Uh, previously diagnosed with autism and had sensory processing disorder, but his parents thought he might also have an attention disorder uh, because he had a high energy level, short attention span, um, inability to sit still, very talkative, he's interrupting, frequently loses items, poor emotion regulation, poor fine motor skills, uh, delayed developmental milestones he had, turning over, crawling, walking, pie training. He also interestingly had uh, sensory issues with textures, both foods and clothes and doesn't like loud sounds and then he struggled with social cues so those are your red flags there even though he was already diagnosed with autism his neuropsychological test uh, showed that he had problems with sensory motor functioning attention concentration verbal understanding for spoken paragraphs so again, he can't really relate to language social perception for facial expressions um, his achievement tests were below average for, um, or delayed by two years for oral reading and uh, reading fluency. He also had trouble with a lot of motor skills, so finger tapping, a graph of motor speed, had a trouble inhibition and in writing expression. And then his parent report indicated poor self-care, social skills, emotion regulation. And then the clinicians noticed that he uh, scored very high on uh, scales of autism. Our diagnosis was autism with specific delays in reading and also a generalized anxiety disorder. So what we found for this individual, um, again, a lot of visual processing problems. This is in the region of the corpus callosum um, for eyes closed, eyes open. Again, a lot of visual processing, sensory motor here, uh, motor, depending on where that is, it might also be some attention issues in that region indicated. So for this person, we really wanted to get the front talking to the back. So it's a completely different protocol that we saw for the last person, but we need to get the front working, so for his attention issues um, against sensory motor strip. uh, Back here, we have uh, personal awareness, so being aware of what's going on. So we really want to get the front and back talking to each other. Uh, What we found uh, working on that is that long-range connectivity was also improved during one protocol by 25%, so that's great. And the parent reports and, uh, reported some improvements in black and white thinking, uh, emotion regulation, better phonics reading, better attention span, fewer meltdowns. Um, his neuropsychological tests also showed improvements in visual motor precision, and decreases in aggression, conduct problems, and even depression. Uh, we had talked before about how depression is on the left, anxiety is on the right typically, so working on that left side did tend to help his depression. Okay, so one more. Um, This uh, individual is an 11-year-old male. He's evaluated for ADHD. Um, Again, ADHD tends to be overdiagnosed, but his symptoms were struggling with spelling and writing, big cells in math, Uh, attention span, recall, excessive talking. He has a very high need for organization, though, keeping his uh, closet and schoolwork all color-coded and he exhibits exhibits compulsions or must-dos. So this is kind of more OCD-ish, and um, this is kind of the opposite of ADHD. Um, For developmental history, um, his mother had gestational diabetes, and he required oxygen for 45 minutes after he was born. For his neuropsychological test, uh, there was uh, sensory motor functions for imitating hands. Uh, so again, relating yourself to other people and imitating, that's a problem that you see in autism. Um, also trouble with social processing. Um, and there were scales, of course, with elevated signs of autism as well. Um, and we diagnosed him with pervasive developmental disorder, which is on the spectrum of autism. Um, also ADHD specific delays in math, reading, and writing. So autism now includes... Uh, Pervasive Developmental Disorder, Asperger's, all of that are kind of together now. So for this um, individual, um, you can see for his dipoles, you have some visual processing. Again, lots of motor areas are indicated. Eyes closed, eyes open, a lot of sensory motor here. Uh, For his protocol, we're working on the front, trying to get the front talk to the back with the motor uh, strip indicated, and then self-awareness here. Now, for this uh, protocol, the neuropsychological test did show improvements on a number of attention issues, which you would think, since we had the frontal lobes indicated here. But they didn't feel as though there's no self report of change. So we did another round. And for their second case, uh, second um, EEG, again, we see some cerebellum involvement, which would indicate movement, visual processing. I get sensory motor and motor control areas are indicated. Um, you get the cingulate area on the eyes open, front and back. Um, for this round, again, we're trying to get the front to talk to the back, that long-range connectivity, which is important for people on the spectrum. So we had the frontal motor strip back for um, visual processing. And for this round, there was some self-reported improvements. So fluency was improved. Ability to read out loud was improved. Attention and focus is much improved. And the teachers uh, noticed better behavior. Uh, Then we saw with the um, connectivity that the long range actually increased by 46%. And so that was great. And also on some neuropsychological testing, you have phonological processing and letter fluency increased a lot. So here the initial is the blue and the after protocol two is the orange. And then we also found some improvements in memory, recognition and an immediate. So that one took a little bit longer um, and he's still one of our patients and he's, he's doing very well. Um, so it's, sometimes it's a process and as you see it right away, sometimes it's more of a process depending on uh, you know, the uh, severity of the symptoms. Thank you very much for your attention.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to subscribe to the Neuroscience Realms podcast for future episodes. You might also enjoy our sister podcast, Let's Head On, with myself and Dr. Ann Stevens, where we discuss the interaction between neuroscience, neuropsychology, and physical and mental well-being. Please feel free to reach out to us at IntegrateBrainHealth.com.